Welcome to the Digital Brand Builder Podcast, where we bring you the best growth strategies from the world's experts to help build your business fast. And now, here's your host, Mark Fidelman. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Digital Brand Building Podcast. Today, I have a special guest. His name is Nir Bashan, and we are going to talk about how to think differently in marketing and sales. Now, what does that mean, think differently? Well, you know, a lot of us have the same message, same, hey, use TikTok, or look at me, uh, I do what, what my competitor does, so on and so forth. But what I'm really interested in is how do we think differently and uniquely so that our messaging, our look and feel stand out? So before we jump in, though, I'm going to turn it over to Nir to talk about his uh, background before we get started. So Nir, over to you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mark. This is uh, this is fun. I, I know the uh, podcast well, and I'm humbled to be a guest. I uh, started working uh, in business when I was nine years old, going door-to-door washing cars in Los Angeles. And I learned very early on that if you're not creative about how you sell things, then you know, you don't get to make the sale. I learned that at nine years old. And, you know, through my career, I've run uh, large uh, um, advertising agencies with, you know, quarter billion dollars in billings. And today I run a small consultancy with three small but mighty employees. And, uh, you know, I've learned that in every step of the way, I needed to be creative in order to be better at, you know, sales and better at marketing and and better at, at um you know, getting to the next level. And so I've developed a process and a, and a protocol through years of working in different businesses uh, on how to become more creative. And I wrote it in a book called The Creator Mindset. It's out now uh, via McGraw-Hill Business. And um, that's kind of the uh, the quick background. And a book like that would seem ideal for a marketer. So let's first talk about what it is to be, to have a creator mindset. What does that even mean? So a creator mindset is somebody who is very, very comfortable thinking with the creatives part of their mind. We have been conditioned over so many years to think analytically only. And it's amazing how many people in marketing and music and film and some of the creative fields, advertising uh, are analytical in nature, right? They that's kind of how we were raised uh, culturally and in school. We're raised to think analytics, spreadsheets, and logic, and how many numbers, how many eyeballs, how many impressions, how many thumbs up, how much you know um, interaction am I getting on Insta, and this and that. And what I teach people is a different way to think, and that is through the creative part of the mind that sees possibility where the analytical side only sees numbers. So having a creator mindset is the ability to look at any problem and see possibilities and not just, you know, numbers or, or one or two solutions, but hundreds. And is there a, a process that you have for coming up with that? What, what is it that, that you would recommend people do? Totally. So I have 92 tools that I talk about in the book. Uh, just 92. Just 92. <laughs> not 100, not 90. You know, my editor at McGraw-Hill is a wonderful, wonderful human being. And she's 
so specific. And she's like, near, you know, I mean, count them, count how many tools are in there, you know, because we edited a few times. And so I did. And I said, there are 92. Should we round it up? And maybe I'll add a couple more. And she's like, absolutely not. There's 92. And that's how it's going to, you know, go out. So it's, it's, there's all kinds of different techniques in there. But one thing that, you know, your listeners can do right now to become more creative is to talk a little less and listen a bit more. I talk about it in the book. There's a chapter about how listening has become something that people don't really do anymore. We're so busy talking and we're so busy putting out what we think would be the you know, marketable information, what we think would be valuable, but we we take such little time to listen and to really understand what's going on in that consumer's mind when we're trying to make the sale or or whatnot, um, that we lose an opportunity to to get creative and actually complete the sale. So listening and doing real listening is one of those things that you can do today uh, at your next meeting. We're all in Zoom and go-tos nonstop. You know, uh, I had one just before this conversation and I, I know Mark has one right after and we're just going nonstop. So instead of coming to the meeting and blah, 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 and, you know, getting in there and, and talking the whole dang time, try listening, try listening and taking some notes and, and really only speak if you absolutely have to. And why do you think it's so hard for people to listen? I mean, this is a critical skill for marketing and salespeople. And it seems to me that I don't know if we've got collective ADHD or what, but it seems like the, the more you sit back and you listen, you take in. And then I think that most importantly, you have to synthesize that information. So it's an actionable or it's instructive or something positive comes out of it. Is, is there anything else that you suggest they do after doing, uh, you know, after listening or giving, you know, it, it, thought to what, what they just heard? Definitely. So I talk about empathy, courage, and humor in my book as being the foundation of creative thinking. And there's no chapter in the book that generates more, uh, you know, feedback, more emails, more controversy, I guess, than those three things. Because I get an email regularly from readers who tell me near, you know, are you serious? Really? Those are the three most important attributes of, of creativity. And those are the things that can help me listen better. And I said, yeah, you know, um, you got to have empathy to understand what that other person's going through. I, I don't think it's ADHD or anything like that, Mark. I think our ego tells us that we know what other people want. Um, I mean, look at most marriages, most marriages in the U.S. break up uh, half of them, exactly half of them break up 50% fail rate. I mean, that's terrible, right? Can you imagine a 50% fail rate in one of your products or services? Absolutely not. It's un unimaginable. But here we are, we are a, a culture, we are a people um, that we don't empathize. And so when we don't have empathy and really feel and see and touch and be in a situation someone else is in, how are we ever expected the market to them? How are we ever expected to make a sale? And so I talk about empathy as being a, a really important counterpart of listening. The other thing I talk about is humor. Um, you know, people tell me all the time, Nir, I'm not that funny. What, what does it matter? And I said, you know, humor is really not about being funny. It's about looking at something in a different way. When you are able to frame a problem in a humorous way, then you enable creative solutions to occur. And so 
you know, uh, one of the examples that I like to give is a, is a company that I consulted with a while ago, a manufacturing company. And, you know, we, we were standing in, in a warehouse and there was a bunch of, of stuff that needed to go out and the stuff wasn't going out. And so somebody said, you know, maybe we should have the merch monster come and eat all this stuff. And, you know, it wasn't that funny, but like, you know, a few people laughed or whatnot, chuckled, I guess. And, you know, somebody then said, oh, I got a great idea. You know, there's a, a storage place, a commercial storage place, and they're a dollar for the first month. Let's move the stuff there. The storage place is called Monster Storage, right? And so you, you never know what kind of ideas are generated by looking at something humorously. And the value of humor is incredibly important in business, especially today with everything that's going on in the world. And then finally, courage. You got to have the courage to you know, listen and then actionate those important things, right? So yeah, it's good to listen, but then you you have to take action at a certain point and you have to have the courage and the conviction to follow through with what you think is the best path. And that's, uh, those three things really generate a lot of creativity. Okay, great. Wonderful. Good stuff. So if I'm listening to this podcast and I'm a marketer, let's say, and I'm like my competition it's just kicking my ass. There's, they've got better messaging. They've got a better product. And by the way, you don't need to have the best product to win. But let's just say they got a better product. Their messaging's better. How do you? What do you say to them in order to, you know, cut through the noise or differentiate themselves or to have that creative mindset that you talk about in the book? So one, you know. The, so I believe that creativity is born within every human being on earth. Uh, I, I think that about 60 or 70,000 years ago, there was the world's first creative person. And she ended up, you know, being attacked by a beast, some saber tooth cat or whatever that, you know, killed most of her village. But she was smart enough to take a stick and, you know, something that was never anything but a hiking stick and a little chisel that was nothing you know, but a thing that, you know, she used to whittle wood for fire. And she put those two things together. She put the, you know, the, the flint on top of the stick and fought the beast. And then she, she had the world's first creative idea. And I feel that creativity is deeply, deeply found within our bone marrow. It's, it's part of our DNA. And so fast forward to today, you have somebody who's in marketing and going near, you know, yeah, of course, you know, the competitor is better. They have a better product or whatever. And so what I ask them to do is to start to look at the DNA of their product or service, because in it is some innate creativity. I'll give you an example. I did a uh, did some consulting work with a very famous pizza franchise in the U.S. And you know, I sat down with them and we started to talk, and 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 I showed them the concept, the idea, and the execution. Those are three other tools that I use to identify creative moments and creative DNA. And, you know, they, they kind of said, here, it's pizza. What do you mean DNA? It's pizza. That's what we do. We do pizza for God's sake. It's pizza. And I said, okay, guys, so I, I get it. You know, we, we're, you're a pizza place, but, you know, why are we doing this? And how are we doing this? And why, you know, and they're like, well, oh, we're getting killed by our competitors. What does that matter? I said, okay, well, you know, let's start to look really into it. And it turns out, Mark, that, you know, somebody there, uh, you know, knew the owner, you know, or the owner's kids or whatever. And somebody came over with a recipe for the pasta sauce, you know, uh, 70, 80 years ago. And that recipe led to, you know, some amazing things. And we started to dig in more and more. And we identified that 
there are people in the U.S. that if these guys didn't make pizza, they would go hungry. I mean, they, they, they're like a sustenance. They order from them every day. So we were able to establish a DNA of that particular brand that en enabled them to differentiate from the other competitors. And what they came up with, uh, the group, you know, the, the executive group came up with, you know, their concept being comfort food or, you know, sustenance. And from that, they were able to create new products and services that some of which are doing very well in the marketplace today, like calzones and, and different, different things like that. So I think what's important is not to throw up your hands and give up, right? You got to have the courage to find a way forward. Um, and so I recommend that marketers who are stuck, who are up against the wall, who have no recourse whatsoever to start to look at the exact brand and figure out what the DNA of that product or service really is. And this will work with your career too, by the way. Um, you don't have to be a leader. You can be somebody who's employed somewhere. If you start to identify the DNA of what it is and why it is that you're in that place, then you will get a multitude of creative potential that will come out of that. And those will give you, that creative potential will give you great options in getting unstuck. Do you recommend, I mean, I know you've got 92 different things that you recommend in the book, but is, are some of those options about how to creatively think about that? I mean, brainstorming or getting soliciting the opinion of other thought leaders or influencers or customers. How, how is it that you come up with the ideas, first of all? And it seems like the, there's two, two ideas, I think, that seem to win, at least with my clients. And that is the freaking obvious ones. You know, they're so simple. Uh, and I'm like, well, it's simple, but it's effective because it clearly differentiates us from everybody else. And then the, you know, out of the box thinking wild one, both I find uh, can be very effective and uh, it's something that I've seen work. Do you, do you have anything in the book or do you have any suggestions for how you, you come to that level of creativity and come up with something that, that makes sense for, for people listening to this? Yeah, absolutely. So once you once you identify the DNA of who you are and what you're doing and why it is that you're doing, you get a multitude of creative potential. So if the concept of your particular business, let's say it's the pizza place, is sustenance, the idea is the mid-level view, which is then, you know, uh, I don't know, comfort food. And the execution is the exact thing that you do. So it's concept, idea, and execution. The execution is where, sadly, Mark, 90% of people stay their entire lives. Um, that's, you know, we make medium uh, cheese lovers with you know, meat lovers with double stuffed crust pizzas. That's what we do near, you know, that kind of thinking. So if you're able to put your product or service in the context of the concept, the idea and execution, then it creates new ideas because what you do is you look at the, let's say the idea level and you can make tweaks based on what your execution will be. So if you're your idea is comfort food, then you don't necessarily just have to make pizza. You can make calzones. You can make um, chicken soup. Uh, Chick-fil-A is really good at that. Chick-fil-A is a chicken restaurant, right? They they do chicken sandwiches and salads. And lately they've launched the soup, right? The, the noodle soup and the uh, tortilla, the spicy tortilla soup. 
those two items are, are, are flying off the shelves. Why? It's because they're part and parcel of the brand, but they're very, very creative executions of, you know, an extension that somebody would easily relate that product or service to. And so that is the work of coming up with ideas. It's not about being in the shower and getting hit by, you know, some crazy idea. People, you know, tell me all the time, oh, Nir, I'm really creative. Uh, once a month, I get an idea. I'm like, who cares about once a month? You need to come up with an idea every hour these days, you know, the way that that the economy works and the way that, you know, everything is is on fast forward these days. So, you know, having a structure and an ability to create ideas is, is incredibly important. Understanding the concept of the business you're in is going to be your concept and your concept alone. It's the DNA of who you are, right? Mark, you, you know, you have a very successful business and the way that you do things is, is really part and partial to who you are. And the, the idea and the execution of your product and service is really, you know, ties back to that, identity. And you can change it at any point. You just have to identify what it is and then you can go through and change sort of whatever you want. So you've got to be armed these days with a vehicle that will enable the how of creativity. Uh, the why of creativity was like 10 years ago, right? So everyone was like, oh yeah, why should I be creative? This is great. And great, but you know, who cares, right? If you don't know how to do it, then you can't spread it. So the how is really coming up with the concept, the idea and the execution, and then embedding it with all of these things from empathy to courage, to humor. Uh, I talk about in the book, uh, not rusting, rest upon success is something that I see a lot of people do. They get a little bit of success and then they rest. So I talk about ways to combat that. And it really is about working on the business instead of working in it. Well, you brought up Chick-fil-A, which, I mean, the lines around here are around the corner, and I just don't get it. And <laughs> I, I've come to the conclusion that it's the community, the, um, the I don't know how they've been able to foster it with, with marketing messages. You know, restaurants aren't my thing, especially fast food restaurants. But they've somehow come up with something uh that gets people passionate about it and fanatical about it so that there's a line around the corner of this place and i know that's true around the country and so i don't know what creativity they've put into you know their messaging and their branding but certainly isn't in their sandwiches in my opinion i know this is going to be an unpopular but do you have you further dissected what they've been able to do in order to to, to produce that kind of fanaticism you know, um, it's a it's a really good product, and the service is extraordinary. I, I sometimes think that Chick Fil A should run the country, not our government. Um, you know, the order is always right, and you can make umpteenth amounts of adjustments to it. You know, I want this kind of cheese, that kind of cheese. I don't want butter on the thing. I want butter, extra butter. You know, so on and so forth. And I think out of the several thousand times I've eaten there, they've gotten the order wrong once. Um, you know, it's about paying people what they're worth and they're one of the highest, you know, paying, uh, shops around. And, um, you know, it's, it's just a very, very good experience. And so what I think that they've done, uh, honestly, Mark, and, and what I teach a lot of people when I do keynotes or when I do consulting is to just get the basics right. 
we're all such in a rush to, you know, have some new extraordinary idea come up. But what we really should be doing is just, you know, getting the small stuff right, getting the basic. Okay, how are we treating our client? Are they having a good experience? If I were some stranger off the street, would I want to deal with me? You know what I mean? It's just asking those types of questions. That is really, really, really good creative stuff, right? We th- we think creative stuff is inventing the new iPhone or some crazy, you know, rocket ship to the, you know, to Mars. Oh, that's a creative idea. No, it, you know, yeah, it is, but we can start so much simpler. We can look at our business. We can look at our product. We can look at our service. We can look at our careers even and, and just ask some very basic questions. One, would I want to work with myself? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, am I providing a good experience for the customer? Is my price point fair? You know, some people have made careers and, and I talk about it in the book out of just, you know, suckering people in uh, to some subscription that people are dying to get out of, but they signed a, a three month contract and they can. I mean, th- who works like that anymore, right? So a lot of companies, it turns out. So it really is about asking very, very basic questions and, you know, uh, doing the work around uh, who it is and what it is that you're offering. And Chick-fil-A does a very, very good job with getting the small things right. Oh, I agree. I mean, they're not even open on Sundays. Uh, I think some of that's changed, but uh, they've just created this fanaticism. And um, you might like their products. And I, I, I mean, they're okay, but, you know, I, I've just eaten in too many restaurants, I guess. But I don't see how it's better than even a McDonald's. God, I'm going to get flame mail for this. But it, it's true. I don't get it. And uh, I guess it's because they've done a great job in making it incrementally better than the rest of their competitors and then building this fanaticism around it as well. And by the way, I don't get the fascination with In-N-Out Burger either. I go there. <laughs> what, what is the... What, where are these cults? Who's leading them? Let me acquire these people and assign them to my clients because yeah. what they've done is pretty amazing because the product to me isn't impressive, but maybe that maybe people that have never been to fine restaurants or uh, a restaurant like Wally's that serves this incredible burger, or if you've been in Santa Monica, a place called um, Father's Office where I mean these, these burgers are just impeccable. But I, I guess if you haven't been to those places, maybe, you know, a Five Guys or an In-N-Out Burger is, is extremely impressive, but not to the level where you've got lines out the door and around the corner. That's just my opinion. So, but it's a testament to the marketers and the people that are building a brand around these organizations that they're able to do that. My hat's off to them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's all about getting the small stuff right. And, you know, listen, Father's Office, that's a gourmet burger, right? That's not a commoditized burger. It's, uh, you know, 50% chuck from the shoulder, right? It's 25% of uh, of ribeye. It's 25% of, you know, some secret brew that they're getting from a farm, you know, north of Sacramento that the guy had to deal with. So, you know, that that's a that's a, a very niche type product. They couldn't make, you know, 16,000 burgers or 15,000 sandwiches a day like uh, a Chick-fil-A or an In-N-Out would do, right? So, you know, it really it really depends on, you know, your ability to get the small things right. And if you get the small things right consistently over and over again, you start to build that brand loyalty. 
Makes total sense. Makes total sense. So is there anything else that we didn't talk about? And I, I know there's a lot to this. It's not something you just, you know, do in an hour. Uh, I would recommend that you read Nier's book and uh, comment uh, here or directly to him about what you what you thought. But is there anything else that you could think of that we didn't cover that are important for my listeners to hear? You know, I think the most important thing that we can convey to your listeners is that creativity sees the world as it can be, not as it is. And even just allowing yourself one moment of thought that you know, whatever problem you're facing right now, you're listening to this driving to work or, you know, you're at home stuck on, on a lockdown or you've got some stressful, you know, five hours of meetings coming up back to back to back and you're sneaking in a little podcast while you're eating some lunch or whatnot. It, you know, the, the one thing that I can impart to you is that if you start to see the world as it can be, not as it is, you instantly will start to come up with creative solutions for problems. We And, and I wrote an article for Thrive that got, I don't know, something like 4 million views. And, and I wrote about how language, the you know English language has more ways to describe negative things than positive things, like a lot more. And I thought it was only English, but then I, I did some research. It's every language around the world, all 167 languages on earth have something like, you know, five or six, seven times more, you know, negative words than positive words. And the shift in your mindset to seeing the world as it can be, not as it is, will enable you amazing success. You just got to will it and you got to do it and you got to push down those thoughts and, you know, that, that deal with negativity and you got to start to say, you know what, I'm going to look at this problem as it can be. What can be? Well, you know, my product is better than the other person's. I'm a marketer. I've got infinite budget. I've got, you know, the ability to do whatever I want. Then what would I do? And if you ask yourself those questions, you can have real actionable items that, um, that will help you conquer whatever it is that, uh, that is getting you stuck. All right. Well, with that, how do people find you either online or offline? So I'm easy to find. It's near Bashan, N-I-R-B-A-S-H-A-N.com. Uh, there's three near Bashans in the entire world. <laughs> one uploading like Call of Duty clips. That's not me. Wish I had time to play video games. There's a closet designer in Israel named Nir Bashan. That's not me. Um, just Google near N-I-R-B-A-S-H-A-N. I'd be happy to hear from you. We have a pretty cool community. It's a free community online where people ask questions and get help around creativity. I'd love for your listeners to join that. That's at my website slash community near bashan.com slash community. And uh, I would love to uh, hear your thoughts. All right. Well, thank you, Nir. Pleasure having you on the show. And uh, if you've got any questions or any uh, comments from Nir, please reach out to him. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. <laughs>